Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of The Playlist Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And for this episode, I have another interview to share with you folks. This time I got to speak with Brian Duffield, the writer-director of the new sci-fi thriller, No One Will Save You. No One Will Save You is perhaps one of the most interesting sci-fi films to get released in 2023. Not only does it star Caitlin Deaver, but the film mixes alien invasion subgenre with the home invasion thriller. This is a film that asks the question, what happens to a 20-year-old girl who wakes up to see an alien breaking into her house? It's a terrifying thought, no doubt, and there's a little twist that we talk about in the interview, but you begin to realize that Deaver's character is truly alone and has no one to speak with. This means most of the film is dialogue-free as you watch this terrified young woman trying to make sense of an alien invasion with no one to save her but herself. In our discussion, we talk quite a bit about the lack of dialogue in the film, with Duffield explaining that it was never his intention to make a film like this, but it just happened naturally as a way to stay true to the character. We also talk about his willingness to showcase the aliens from the beginning and not rely on cheap tricks to keep them hidden. This is a film that embraces the alien aspect and really gives audiences plenty of alien action. And towards the end, I bring up a subject not related to No One Will Save You, as I asked Duffield about his first major work as the writer of the script for the infamous Jane Got a Gun. This is a film that was originally going to be directed by Lynn Ramsey and starring Natalie Portman. Back in 2013, the film went through some dramatic behind-the-scenes situations as Ramsey left production and Gavin O'Connor was brought in to direct. So I had to ask Duffield about the situation and what it taught him about filmmaking. But before I throw it to the interview, I got to tell you the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Deep Focus, The Discourse, Bingeworthy, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, or anywhere else to find your favorite shows. Okay, without any further ado, here's my interview with Brian Duffield, the writer-director of the new thriller, No One Will Save You, which hits Hulu on September 22nd. Enjoy. So welcome. I, I do want to start by saying again, uh, I, I briefly mentioned these just a minute ago, but I'm a big fan of yours. I like Spontaneous. I like this movie. So it's a it's a joy to talk to somebody who makes genre movies that are truly surprising. So thank oh, you for that. 
Um, but one of the things about your movies, I noticed this was spontaneous. And then I also saw like Love and Monsters, even though you're just writer, not director. It's, it sounds to me like you love the high concept. Like you love this like super easy pitch. Like this movie is alien invasion meets home invasion, right? And and then you add this like emotional arc at some point, which is like super satisfying getting into the characters. So where does it start with you? Do you get these ideas like these little elevator pitches and then add the emotional arc or does they kind of just come naturally? Well, spontaneous. It was a book and it's a pretty faithful adaptation. So that's all the credit to Aaron Starmer. Um, But yeah, in general, I start with the the character or like a theme. Um, I want to explore. So like for Love and Monsters, when I wrote it, it was called Monster Problems. That was a, I really wanted to write a movie about what being single for a long time felt like, um, because I was single for a long time. Um, And, uh, and then they changed all that. But that was for me, I was like, okay, I really want to write a movie about this, but it would be probably very boring as like, you know, Linklater could do it great. I am not. Richard Linklater, and I would make a really boring Sundance thing about a guy being like, I can't get a girlfriend, even though that's what I sounded like for a long time. Um, and then you, but you put that idea on a, in a genre movie with monsters as the obstacle. And then all of a sudden it's, it's, you can talk all about like all those different topics and about thinking, you know, a romantic partner could, could fix what's wrong with you. And, all that kind of stuff. And so that became like, oh, that's a lot more fun for my nerdy brain than the the Sundance movie. And this is true of, of No One Will Save You as as well, where I had the character of, of Bryn and, and all of her very complicated backstory and, and her place in the world and the house that she kind of had designed for herself and didn't know what to do with it. And, and I, I'm always very reticent to make something that could be miserable. <laughs> um, and it was like this, you know, as as the Sundance movie, this could get pretty heavy and 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 miserable. And I'm probably just not the right person. I'm probably not old enough <laughs> to, to be that that person. I just don't have the skill um, that like a link later uh, might. Um, uh, and again, probably just because I'm a big nerd, it, it makes sense to me to put these characters in genre movies because I think that w- that's what makes the the genre movies fresh and exciting is when you have a character that you haven't seen before um go through you know so we have this character that's caitlin deaver is going through an alien invasion movie that you've never seen a movie i don't think that's about that character going through this very beloved uh subgenre um so yeah kind of start this is very rambling i'm so sorry but it's um it, it goes from character and ideas and theme first and then and then I don't intentionally make it like a sci-fi thing, but I usually just find my way there naturally, I guess. What's interesting about that, what you say is is the the sci-fi thing is almost like secondary. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the the story, any good storyteller includes like emotional stuff and an arc and, and good characters. Um, but the the sci-fi aspect of this seems very much planned out in a, in a thoughtful way. The aliens... I want to talk about the design real quick. The aliens are, uh, you don't hide them, which I thought, oh. thought was really refreshing because these movies tend to, to try to hide them uh, for one reason or another, and you don't. Yeah. And when you see the aliens, they look like kind of 
I won't go so far as to say like Mars attack aliens, but they're the classic idea of the, the, the fifties sci-fi alien. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, What, what went into the design and why did you embrace such a kind of a classic idea? I just, I love the grays. Um, It really just stemmed from that and just feeling like I was being deprived of of them. And, And I think what's really cool about them as a monster design is that they are a rare movie monster that it is based on a, you know, I'm doing it quotes, but a real life design um, in terms of like, that's the, the Roswell of it all. Um, And that, I think there's something so cool and interesting about that, whether you believe in Roswell or not, but like that, you know, that, that whole emoji alien, it stems from a a news report. Um, uh, And so I was always just love that. And then, like you said, we start, we, you know, five minutes in our alien is there and wanting the audience and and caitlin kind of they'll see a glimpse of the alien initially and instantly they need to both go it's an alien it's not anything else it is an alien because i think if it looked like truly like a district nine critter um it would get really confusing like i think people would go like what is it like is it an alien is it like a mutated bug is it you know you could just see how in the context of the movie it could get very confusing quickly um as opposed to like let's get all on the same page it's an alien and and the interesting thing is that you are seeing it so early so where is this movie gonna go um <laughs> uh and so that became a really a really fun place to kick off and then you know we could add our uh our little uh easter eggs and bonus features and surprises with that design um but yeah i i just i love that design and um I was like, well, no one else is giving me what I want, so I might as well do it myself. You talk about how the movie kind of just kicks off and and, and really doesn't really stop after that. And it, yeah. it almost like that that opening, I would say, what, first 15, 20 minutes is is mainly like a third act in some of these movies. Yeah, like oh, it's yeah. you are going I mean, full on inspired by signs. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, which I love signs. Um, but I think there were a lot of movies i think partially it's a it's a budgetary thing for visual effects um uh and i think there's just the classics hitchcock spielberg you know don't show it at, at the start uh which i just ignored um <laughs> what are those think, guys know? There is, there's a thing where you get very used to the trash cans get knocked over and you might see like the foot in the cornfield or you see like a shadow and then a lot of the movie is like is it aliens or is it those neighbor boys um and that's really fun. Uh, but again, it's 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 become familiar, it, you yeah. know. Um, and again, I think it's predominantly budgetary stuff. Um, and it felt like to me, you know, these guys have to be smart enough that they traveled all this way, um, have to be smarter than we are. And it just felt like, OK, they've come all the way, presumably have gotten past any Earth detection. Um and then, like, so what is the big deal about them walking into some, you know, 20-year-old girl's house? You know, it, it felt like they don't need to be bopping around in the woods. Like, the scary thing is if what happens when they walk in. Um, and, and and how, like, they when they walk into the house, they don't instantly go for Caitlin. They're just kind of, you know, they're just observing. Down and, yeah. and playing with keys. And, and, and so that, to me, felt like... Okay, if a movie starts there, 
that's instantly terrifying. Um, but then also what happens next? Um, and I think that that was the fun for me was like, let's take out all of the like aliens aren't real, like all that, like back and forth. Um, and it's just like, Caitlin wakes up, she goes downstairs, she sees a fucking alien. And, <laughs> and then you're like, Oh wait, we're not at the 10 minute mark. Where is this movie going? Um, and that being really fun, like that, you know, having the audience hopefully, think to themselves where's this movie going in the first 10 minutes and then at the end of our first act really being like i have no idea what the next hour of this movie is going to look like speaking of oh i'm sorry yeah. no, no, i was no, gonna no. say it's speaking, a really fun way to do it yeah. speaking of that though you you clearly because you introduce the aliens so quickly you have to again have something for them to do so you, yeah. you do quite a bit of world building and i'm curious how much of that world building just exists on the page that did make it into this movie because without going into spoilers you do not leave, make it in yeah you do leave yeah, yeah. quite a bit of of mystery surrounding their motives and and where they came from and why they're here and, and all that yeah i mean i think we knew i i knew everything and then most of the crew knew a lot um and then caitlin also knew none of it i think <laughs> it was kind of our thought process because i think both caitlin and the character of Brynn, i think intentionally i never was like this is how they have dinner or whatever um but i think for me again part of the terrifying aspect is that hopefully they, they do come across as very intelligent in the movie but also that you no one is stepping in and explaining what they're thinking about and and part of the joke of of the movie is that they are talking to a Caitlin lot. the whole yeah. time <laughs> they are blab they are just it, they, and we talked with the sound guys that they are explaining in detail, like what they're, they're, they're just exposition police um, explaining everything and she can't understand it. And there's not like that. Um, you know, we didn't want to do the, I, I love contact, but we didn't want to do like when we get into some of our trippy stuff where like someone explains everything, like by the end of the movie, Caitlin doesn't understand a lot of what's happened. And that felt like the most alien thing to me where where they might not think linearly like they might not share the same emotional scape as we do they might do one thing one minute and then complete, a completely opposite thing the next minute and hopefully that feels like there's a like a genuine thought process going on but that it's not our thought process like it doesn't feel like it's written by a by a, a lousy screenwriter um, <laughs> so i think that was part of the fun was building out that building out like a culture that we see glimpses of we get little things like i think you could you could put it all together like i, I wanted to play fair um but again like it's also because it's not articulated it's 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 definitely left open to interpretation um and so that was but i think that was the fun i think again going to that exposition thing it's i think it's scary when you don't get exposition even when things happen that are good for caitlin she doesn't get explained why that happened. Um, and that just felt like a really intentionally frustrating place to put a character that is desperate for information. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't want to bury the lead here. And and I do want, you've been mentioning the, the aliens talk quite a bit, but that is uh, in contrast to the right. fact that, um, that Bryn played by Caitlin Deaver does not really talk much right. at all in this movie. So, there are long stretches of time. We'll just say that there's there's no dialogue other than the alien chatter that we hear from time to yeah. time. 
I, a couple of things about that. Was that always part of the plan? It, because it, it is organic. It's not like a gimmick or anything. I don't want to say that it is. I mean, she's, she's in a home. She's not going to sit there and talk to herself. Right. That would feel even worse. So what was that like for you? Is that, is that the thought process? Yeah. It, I didn't set out when I started working on it. I didn't know it was dialogue free. Essentially. I knew it would be spare. Um, my last movie had so much talking. <laughs> in it um and i was i just remember being like it's gonna be really I, I really wanted to do something um lean and mean um but not like dialogue free but i i like the idea of okay it's gonna be this one character's pov and we're gonna go through this thing and she's not gonna have a you know a dog she can talk to she's not gonna have phone calls or you know it's like all that stuff and i was because i liked it in my head i was like oh this is about her isolation and lack of community and all these different things and then kind of like halfway in i was like she really has not talked um <laughs> uh oh uh, and and but again like it, it was i was like well kind of at that point knowing where the movie was going and everything i was like well there's not really there's not opportunity for her to have conversations and i felt like it would feel really stupid if she was trying to talk to the aliens um and like trying to reason like they're clearly you can't reason with them like it's it's very clear in the movie like there's not like a like whoa 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 let's talk this out like they're on a different plane um and her talking to herself felt it would be feel very stagey and community theater um and so it just kind of came naturally about the character being so isolated and alone and um also not having anyone willing to help her like the the title says that it, it felt like that was also part of it. Like she's desperate for exposition and no one likes her enough to give it to her. <laughs> um, so instead of it being like about like, Oh, we're, we're cute and silent. It became, this girl is really alone um, and really cut off from the world. And now is going through this end of world event um, by herself. Um, it, it felt like it, it, it was re really deeply rooted in her character as opposed to, you know, the kind of Ooh, look at me writing. Bullshit. Right. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a Happy price. Got your happy price, price line. So, <laughs> so I have to imagine that was an interesting pitch process with Caitlin, right? Like here, here you you're like you, oh, it's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was gonna say because she is given kind of an opportunity just to do kind of that old like acting with your face situation, right? Like she's asked to convey yeah. such emotions, such a range, and 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 through literally like her her breathing or her eyes. What was that like, like talking with her? Like you said, was she just immediately drawn to it? I think so. I think, I think firstly, she really loved the character. Like I, I've never asked her, like if this was the Sundance version with no aliens, would you still have done it? But I think she might've, um, cause I think she really loved Bryn. Um, and then on top of that, you know, more than the, the dialogue thing, I think she was really excited about the physicality of, of the movie. Um, and being this character, like she's not Tom Cruise, but kind of is called upon to be Tom Cruise, but in a way that someone who's never trained to be Tom Cruise aspires to be Tom Cruise. Um, I think she really was uh, both the physical, like 
you know, working on wires and all that kind of stuff, all that fun. But I think she really liked the idea of like building out this character in a very physical um, manner, as opposed to having the 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 dialogue be be a thing. I think she was so much more excited about just oh, this is a character that has I have to convey so much, not just with my face, but physically. And I think she was really excited about getting to do that internal process. Um, because I think I do like actors love monologues, but I think they also love challenges. Um, yeah. and it's a tough, it's a really tough role. <laughs> um, and I think she was really, you know, she was excited to have some stake. Yeah. yeah. So uh, an- another part, because we we were talking about the fact that there's just little dialogue at all. The music I found yeah. is is so much more of a, a center stage situation because that is that's your sound for some of this. Yeah. So what was that like? I know you're with the same composer you had with Spontaneous. Yeah, yeah. So what was that like with that meeting where you're like, you got to step up? Oh, I mean, I would, <laughs> I think I partially wrote it for Joe um, because, I, you know, I've, I've done a ton with Joe um, and we're really we're buddies beyond just like the working relationship. Um, and so it was just kind of like, I don't know, I, I like... I really like making movies where you're kind of like every department head and crew member, you're like, you get to show off. Like, I, I think there's something really fun about, about that. And and with Joe, uh, I just, I like, I always knew just by the nature of it, like it's a show off, it's a show off piece. Um, and then with this, we, you know, because we were friends and we, you know, he was one of the first people that read the script and he started writing music and sending it to us before way before we started shooting which was a real godsend and gift where you know caitlin and caitlin was a part of that too and was listening and would like point out tracks that she really liked and got to go to the scoring stage because he is kind of playing her brain um her brain waves are kind of his score in this movie um and so it was a really cool process where having a composer because i have that relationship with him that was starting way earlier than a composer normally does um it, it really made a world of difference and kind of helped set the tone for the movie um all the way from caitlin to the studio like everyone heard a good chunk of the score before like way before we started shooting and was like, so excited about it because it sounded awesome like immediately <laughs> and so it was really great to have like the head of the studio you know listening to it before we started shooting like you're like okay this is great like this is this is now the bar that we're trying to hit as a crew because joe got to show up first so uh, before i let you go i want to switch gears because i i found it fascinating when i saw one project in particular on your imdb and that is you are the original screenwriter of jane got a gun oh man you're the first one to bring that up this whole press store Wow. So I, I've, I've spoken to quite a few writer directors over my time and, and it's always fascinating to me when you speak with writers who write a script and then send it off. Cause that's maybe people don't understand that, but that's basically what you do. You, your script gets bought and you're for the most part left out. And Jane got a gun is like one of those processes where the production is almost as fascinating as, as the end result. So I'm curious. Oh, the production's got... way more is way better than the fucking movie. Right. So um. what was that like for you so early in your career awful. to have this blacklist script, see it go through all those changes and then, and then see the finished product. It was really traumatic and terrible <laughs> um, because I was uh, a part of it all the way, even after Lynn left a little bit, um and it was 
the probably the hardest thing I've ever been through in a weird way because it was also my first thing. Um, and so it was so um, overwhelming just in general of getting a movie made. And I, I was pretty young at the time. I can't remember how old I was. Um, so that was overwhelming. And then Lynn was one of my favorite directors and Natalie was one of my, like, it was just like, you know, so many amazing things. And then kind of very quickly, sorry, there's a fly. Well, it very quickly was clear that it was going downhill because of other characters. Um, and then when everything kind of exploded, I was in New Mexico and Lynn didn't come to set on the first day, which was my first day on a movie set ever. Um, and then it uh, just all went downhill from there. And I think it was, it was really hard for Natalie. It was really hard for, for myself. And I think it taught me a lot about what a director's role is um and what it is not and i think that situation i think lynn didn't feel like she could make the movie she wanted to make because of circumstances involved um and then i think we should have um you know brought in a surgeon uh to help us get through it and instead we brought in a serial killer um <laughs> um and and it was just it was just a, a series of bad calls from uh, from people that should not have been anywhere near that movie. And uh, yeah, it was fucking awful. It was really terrible. <laughs> well, so so the reason I asked that isn't to, to re-traumatize you, I promise. Yeah, no. I, I'm asking because you you've now transitioned into a writer director with your own, you know, vision. Yeah. Is is that something now having been that 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 young hotshot writer who sees his stuff get mangled? Is it now like I just want to I want to see this through to the end? Yeah, it's it is. I mean, and, and Jane, to be clear too, that was such a bizarre, like that was very clearly a bizarre one in a billion situation that I never was really like, woe is me as a writer. Like this was it was so much crazier than that. Other movies I was I, I I specced and then got made. I feel that way. Um, <laughs> uh, but Jane was like such a weird, but like it was so, but it was such a been like maybe when I'm like 80, I'll, I'll write the book. Um, uh, it was such a bizarre everything. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like to me, like I always wanted to direct and then it always felt like um, for a variety of reasons, I was working a lot with people that weren't trying to make the same movie I was making it, it felt so it kind of started feeling like a game of telephone where like I would say the phrase and then by the time it got back to me I'd be like what the hell are you talking about that's not at all what I said um but it's like if the game of telephone I was screaming at the start of it and then people were just changing it for for fun um and so as a as a, as a creative person and as a as a writer who wanted to be a director I, I felt like directing was just kind of finishing the sentence um uh, like it didn't I, like I, I love directing um but it was also it was kind of always like the, the script is not like you know I was writing this script up until like the last day of post um so it was never something that it's never like you hand it over and then other people get involved and it just kind of felt like I was like halfway done like a creative idea and then it kind of goes away and, and other people run with it and it just felt unsatisfying that I didn't get to finish what I was 
saying. Like I just felt like yeah. I was always interrupted. Um, as opposed, and sometimes they work. Like the movies are good too. Um, sometimes, uh, but it, it just felt like I wanted to finish my thought. And if everyone thought my thought was stupid, you know, at least that was my fault. Um, uh, or if they liked what I was thinking, like great. Um, but it just felt like as a as a creative, like I don't, I don't really understand writers that don't want to direct. Um, because it just feels like that is it just feels like you're halfway finished uh, the whole time. Um, so, but yeah, that, that is definitely my goal is to just either, either direct what I write or, or be very involved in hiring the people that direct what I write, which I never had that opportunity until recently either. Yeah. So uh, I, I just want to wrap up by, by asking you, you know, is there anything you can tease about what what's next for you? Not at all. <laughs> uh, partially i like i coincidentally schedule wise i delivered this movie um and then the writers guild went on strike yeah uh I, I delivered the movie on like the friday and the guild went on strike that monday um or called the strike or whatever the, the time was but it was like a very like my you know years in the work calendar just really synced up um and then i had a very overdue family time and naps and uh, picketing and all that fun stuff and then uh is the strike just keeps going um and so I, there hasn't been i've been too tired to to write um and so i don't know what i'm i'm doing next and i i don't have like jobs i'm i'm finishing like i i, I cleaned i cleaned out the slate before everything so it's like when hopefully people like this movie and i can work again um but yeah i'm excited for these strikes to end and us to get fair deals um and then and then hopefully cool jobs <laughs> yeah 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 amen to that so yeah i, I uh, genuinely i have no no clue oh that's uh, well yeah. you know i i'm there for it so, oh, so cool. you, you won me over so it probably uh, won't have aliens I hey I I was cool with exploding teens so I, I probably won't have that either yeah I, I I someone asked me uh at my um at one of the screenings like what was next and I was like I know what it won't have <laughs> aliens and and teens um and then I was like beyond that I I'm no idea and hey, maybe- probably on my luck I just I just I'm gonna get like sent a script that's like aliens and teens that's gonna be the best script ever written. Uh, and I'm going to be like, oh, shit, I have to do this. And I'll have jinxed it. Um, <laughs> or maybe it's time for your Sundance drama. Exactly. Well, you know, that happened to Jason Reitman where his mandate was no teenagers. And then they sent him Juno. And he was like, shit, <laughs> i got to do this. Uh, and so I'm always reticent to be like, definitely not this. And then that I feel like I'm 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 setting myself up to to make a movie that is exactly that. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully for, you know, the, the writers and, and the actors too are also in strike. Yeah. This, this all gets resolved soon. So, and in a, in an equitable way. So uh, thank you so much, Brian, for, for speaking thank with you, me. Uh, great movie. I enjoyed the conversation and I'm sorry. I re-traumatized you with Jane got a gun. I know it's uh, okay. It was, it was funny for like, uh, I'd say like seven years afterwards, it was like every meeting that I would take would be like, they just wanted to talk about Jane got a gun. <laughs> Um, and I would be like, I just had the number one movie in the world. And like, people are like, we don't give a fuck. We want to talk about Jane Gotta Um, Because it was such a public disaster. Like just the, the deadline articles of, of it all. And, you know, just the drama of, of, of it was, was so public. And I would, I would get 
book deal offers and oh my god everything and it was but it, and then it started to like die away and then um and then i've got all the way until today um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, well, it's 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 very it's okay like I, i've been i've been pretty vocal about it um uh but uh yeah it's it's a, it it's extremely funny how stupid everything was about it um and it's it's really unfortunate because i really i love i think lynn ramsey's the best director oh my god she's incredible Um, and she did like and i learned so much from lynn but like in a way that i can't replicate because my brain doesn't work like lynn's like lynn would have like a terrible idea um i'd be like lynn that's a terrible idea and she'd be like probably but let's let's go with it and we like work this terrible idea and like I'd always be just fucking awful. And I was like, she's going to ruin this beautiful movie I wrote. Um, and then like one day she would like have added like enough like hairs on the head of this terrible idea that you're like, that is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. Um, and then I would get so excited that people were going to think I wrote it. Um, and that like, and again, she just has like such a bizarre Scottish genius brain that I, I was like I can't replicate that and it would be like sometimes like months of like working this bad idea that she would like knew like there was treasure in it and couldn't had to find it and then would find it and it would be like this like eureka moment where you're like oh man like she is they they give her like different cameras than everyone else like the thing she's able to do is absurd and then and then also Natalie is just you know she's natalie (laughs) so she's so stupid talented um and so it's it's a bummer that it didn't didn't happen but like i got to see like the darius conji's camera tests and oh geez i think one of the best nights of my life it was uh darius uh, and lynn and i uh watched night of the living dead and and darius basically just gave a commentary the whole time (laughs) this is and i was like maybe like 25 or something i was like this is the coolest fucking thing that's ever happened to me uh and then everything else was shit yeah um, <laughs> but I, you'll I always have, have night of the living dead yep all right all right have a good one thank you so much all right thank you so much man take care